RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. What's going down, everybody? How are you? How you be? You hanging in there? You got to hang in there. If you don't hang in there, nobody else is going to hang in there for you, right? Uh, no excuses. <laughs> Life is ups and downs, and you just got to keep on plodding through. All right, I'm really excited about this one today. This is this is really, really, really one of my favorites. I had not met her personally until this podcast that you're going to hear right now. As a matter of fact, I stopped her from walking. She was walking at a brisk pace. Where do you hear how this one went down and how cool she is? I'm talking about my guest on the rock stops here, Jane Slater from NFL network. She's on the set. She can host, she can anchor, what a great reporter covering the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. And there's, and she's from, you know, Texas and, you know, very attractive, but more than just being beautiful is how good and cool of a person that she is. And I had a hunch that she would be like she was, and it was even more so. I'll explain. I never had met her. She had never met me until this podcast. Do you know how long the setup time was for this thing? Less than five minutes. I actually stopped her from walking. She was walking at a really good fast pace. It was at the NFL Combine. Couldn't have been nicer. I mean, we we had a, a great interview. She, for years, she toiled in news coverage and crazy hours and her family was not a sports family and for what she's been able to do and now she is on top she's at nfl network she covers the dallas cowboys she hosts she's on set she's at you can't go any higher than that and she couldn't have been more gracious nicer so and then i'll then i'll explain the whole backstory i love you know i love story but i love storytelling but let me welcome in my guest, the tremendously successful, down-to-earth, very cool, NFL Network's own Jane Slater. All right, honored to have Jane Slater, NFL Network. You do such a great job. Again, this podcast is How You Made It. At the top, and in broadcasting, you are at the top. So, congratulations! Thank you so much. Honestly, it, I find myself pinching myself at times. You know, knowing that one day I'd, I'd hope to work here, and to now really feel like you're part of the club and to have a seat at the table, and that's exciting. Just to see the hard work pay off. Yeah, you're working with some people that when you were coming up, you would see them from afar, and I think I remember you posting something about. It was maybe a Super Bowl years ago and some that have made it like befriended you. And then, wow, here you are uh, working in the same vein. I remember I was working uh, in radio. My first job was a sports uh, talk show host in Dallas. It was at Elf and Slater Show, 105 Through the Fan. So first radio row, which is baptism by fire. I mean, you've got coaches from every team that might have been around before you were watching some of these games. And when they sit down, because their bookers come by, you've got to immediately engage. And so that was sort of a pinch me moment. But then going out and, you know, finally feeling like you're part of the NFL fabric. I remember going to a party that Ron Jaworski was at. And I said to Ron, I said, I'm coming for a job in the NFL. I'll see you soon. Um, And now I get invited to his golf tournaments. You know, that's so great. Uh, Melissa Stark couldn't have been kinder to me. Uh, I remember watching her on the sidelines when I was in college and now we're colleagues and we do a bunch of features at NFL 360 and we're authentically friends. Uh, I mean, Josina Anderson and I worked in Denver, Colorado together and I was a news reporter at the time and to see her now and to have the mutual respect and appreciation for how hard it is to be an insider and have players and coaches share financial information and job information with you I think it's such a responsibility of me to do right by these people because I ask myself, 
what would it take for someone to walk up to me and want to share my information? We have media bloggers, right? And I don't share, you know, because I just don't feel like it's productive, which I, I realize is kind of ridiculous when I say that's what I do for a living. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of been these interesting moments here in the last couple of years where it just kind of feels like it's all paying off. All right. So when was it when you were in college? Was it earlier than that? When did you know or did you fall into it? When 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 did the light bulb start to come off to be a, a broadcaster? And was it a sportscaster? Well, initially, it was very much news. I've had a, my father didn't my, my dad gets so mad when I say this. He said, you make it sound like I never watched sports. And I said, no, dad, don't don't get upset when I say this. We grew up with CNN and Fox News on 24 seven. In fact, we had a bird. And its name was Scud because we watched so much Gulf War Crisis that Scud would go. Um, And my dad had, you know, CB radio at the house and we watched, you know, the local news. I mean, the local news uh, anchors were like family. You know, Scott Sams used to always say in the morning, you know, make it a good day. And my dad would say the same. But I would always watch sports on Sundays with him. You know, Howie, uh, Jimmy on Fox. But I think at that time. I'm not a big person that, that sits around and says, we have to have X amount of women at the table. X, you know, I, I'm not big on necessarily checking the box. I'm big on the right people for the right job. But you have to get an opportunity, right? There weren't a lot of opportunities early on. So there weren't enough women to make me think, well, that was a career lane for me. Um, and even in college, when I started sending out resume tapes, you know, I wasn't good enough to just jump to ESPN. And we didn't have all these blog sites or digital platforms to just go from college to the NFL. So my first job market was in Tyler, Texas, and they just weren't open to the idea of a a girl carrying around a 50 pound camera, cutting highlights and having her own show. And so I spent eight years doing hard news, producing, field producing, you name it. But I think it's made me so good at this job now because I know how to build sources contacts. I can go to a press conference and say, that's the lead. Uh, Here's the video that I need. And because I've worked behind the scenes, I can help my producers do their job. And so I think, you know, I always tell people that I mentor, you may not get the job you want to begin with, but take whatever job you can get. Don't stay too long, but get as much equity in, in this profession as you can, because it will pay off down the road. Now, when you were at the Dallas uh, radio station, that good station and all that, and then that ended, correct? So where were you at that point? And then how did the next uh, thing come up? I've had so many frustrating career pivots because, you know, in our business, it is, it's subjective, right? So you'll get one news director that comes in or one program director, they like you, but then they want to bring their people in. And so I have been, I starting out, yeah, like when I do a whiteboard of my career for college students, it's all over the place. Uh, but we got a new program director and who I'm very good friends with to this day. But he was the first person that really gave me my walking papers. And I said to myself, if I can do two years of three hours ad living sports talk, building a show, understanding what the news dial is, uh, I'm going to be good going back to TV. So that's when I went back to CBS 11 where I had done news to begin with. And I started in the sports department, but I was smart enough to put a network out clause in there. So I was a year into the contract. Well, maybe not even that long, seven months and Longhorn Network. Kaylee had just moved on to ESPN. Uh, She was doing stuff at SEC Network. Uh, And so I auditioned and I got to go back to my alma mater, which was a really cool experience. Live in Austin. Uh, and, And ESPN was so different. You know, I'd done so many live shots as a news reporter and covering courts and crimes and blizzards and go down the list. But what they're looking for at the network level as a sports reporter is so different. And I'm so glad I got to do it at ESPN and at Regional Network. Because I remember even in my second year, they brought someone in because they didn't think I knew sports. And I saw it as such a challenge, right? Like elevate your game, get better. How start Instead of always acting like you knew it all, start asking more questions. Explain that to me. You know, I remember when someone first said, you know, oh, his, you know, his his yak is this. And I'm like, well, his yak, well, yards have to catch. You know, it's like you start some of those basic, if you haven't played the game and then your, your brothers didn't play, you didn't play your, uh, your dad didn't play. I was, I literally went and got football for dummies and I was just teaching myself. And even when I watch games and I track games, I started teaching myself, all right, here's what a wheel route is. Like here's a jet sweep. And as you're following the game and you're tracking it, you're sort of just teaching it. Um, and so just now with NFL network, because of all those steps, 
I just feel like I now have a very sustainable knock on wood. It always changes in this business. Uh, but I think I've built at least even these side jobs that I do in tandem with NFL network. I think I've built a sustainable job for myself because I don't think news and information ever goes out of style, but what makes you better at gathering news and information is a true understanding of the game. Okay. So you were at the Longhorn network. How did the NFL uh, network gig come about? Another just kind of, so, uh, Longhorn network was the first one of the regionals. It was myself and Casey Smith. Who's now with the barstool. She was covering A&M and SEC South they eliminated our positions. So they did not re-up my contract. And so Golf Channel, uh, I love golf, and they had offered me a job and they wanted me in Orlando by July 4th. And so I had basically a month and I'd interviewed with NFL Network in LA and I just remember rolling up to the studios in Culver Studio, you know, Culver City and on the rosters, Andrea Kramer, Alex Flanagan. I mean, these women are, I mean, I watch Andrea Kramer on Real Sports for forever. Um, and going in that interview, going, I, this, this is my job. I, I want this job. And I saw some of the other names on the door. I think Jenny Dell was one of the names on the, on the, on the board. And, but I said, I'm the person for this job. And Maria Taylor was so great to me. We were at sec baseball tournament and I was telling her my situation and ESPN said, I know we're letting you go, but can you go cover this final tournament? Sure. Um, and her and Laura Rutledge were so great at being transparent about what their next moves were. And Maria said, well, I interviewed at the NFL network for the Cowboys job I said, oh my gosh, my agent did not tell me that that job's open. Like, I'm perfect for that job, you know? Because I'd cover them, you know, 2003, 2004, and in Tyler, and then again in radio and local. And um, and I said, would you mind if I put my name in for it? She goes, go for it. Uh, she said, you know, I'm using it as leverage for ESPN. And I am so appreciative of her doing that. So my agent reached out. We do the interview. I didn't hear from them until July it's probably July 12th and I had to turn the golf channel down. So it was either go with the bird in the hand or just hope. And so I was looking to get into medical sales. I was looking to get into real estate. I was like, well, maybe I'll sit out of here. And the call came and my life has changed ever since. I mean, it's been an amazing trajectory. You cover the Cowboys. I mean, look at Kurt Menefee, Skip Bayless, Tony Romo, Troy, I mean, any, Michael Urban, Daryl Johnson. I mean, go down the list. Anyone that has been associated with the Cowboys in some form, it has elevated their careers. And my goal, honestly, it's such a great beat. I talk to people about this all the time. People always say, well, what's your next move? I don't know that I want to move. In other words, I look at Ed Werder and I love how sustainable his career has been. I love that he has, he was for the longest time and I still respect him so much. He was the voice of the voice. Um, and so for me, I always think if I go and take that other shiny job somewhere else, would I get that real estate back if it didn't work out? And I just feel like I've really found my groove there. I've got a really good understanding of the beat of the players, um, great relationships. And I love the NFL network. And so it's an interesting time in my life. You spend so much thinking what's next, where am I going? And I think I'm just for me. And I think the hardest thing is sustainability you know, a shelf life that, that makes sense. Uh, and so I'm at a stage in my career now where I'm just, I'm just hoping I don't get fired. <laughs> it's funny. A lot of the ones that I'm talking to here, same thing. Like Peter Schrager, I love this guy. And he's like, I know this sounds stupid, but I love where I am and what I'm doing. Why do I have to look for the next thing? Let me continue to do what I'm doing. What about, did, did you have to sacrifice at all personal life? Uh, there's a lot of hours in broadcasting and things and, or, or you're just going with the flow and how, how, how about it? Has it been a balance? How's that? Well, I, when I got into the business, um, you know, I was working in Tyler, Texas. I ended up marrying the sports director and he took a job in Denver, Colorado. And I had to, you know, I was in news at that point. I'd already pivoted to news. But every time I thought about going to sports, two people in the same household can't get a job in local or even network. And I think there was kind of a power dynamic. And so after that divorce, I think I spent a lot of time going, you know, I'm now going to just focus on my career. And then the years, you know, I feel like the earth spins faster, right? Um, and so I think I've tried to give a little bit more attention to my personal life. You know, I'm 41 now and my, as I've gotten older, uh, but yeah, I think... I think it's also very challenging when you're dating uh, as a female working in the NFL uh, to your significant other who doesn't understand what this is. Uh, I think it can be 
confusing for some, intimidating for others, uh, and having to manage that, finding the right person. Like, Diana Rossini is one of my best friends, and she found the most amazing partner, her husband, Kevin, who really gets it. But I think it's asking a lot of some guys to get something that, and a lot of guys think that they know the sport so much more than you. Why are you getting paid and, and getting to do this for a living? That starts to creep in, which is kind of interesting. So I think it, not saying that I need a very secure man, but I think I just know what it's going to take uh, for it to work. And with that being said, I've also got to be comfortable not focusing so much on my career that I'm losing sight of the other things uh, that I need. But I guess that comes with, with age, a little bit of wisdom. I've really been looking for more of a work-life balance in my later years. It'll all happen. It'll all happen. All right, as we're kind of wrapping up, there was something else you were going to, oh, oh, I wanted to hit this before the advice thing. Being a very attractive woman in this business, being around athletes and or even coaches are getting younger too now and they're looking good and all that jazz. Um, have you dealt with that? Guys trying to date you? You're also like covering something? Have you dealt with that? And if so, how do you deal with that? It's funny. Um, a guy that I was dating for the last year, he used to always think that I was getting hit on all the time from players or whatever. It, one, I think I'm old enough now that I could be some of their mothers. So that's a little different. And then as for the coaches, most of them at this level are married. Uh, and I always, my rules of engagement are always making sure that I understand who their wife is, asking about their wife. I think it's important the way you carry yourself around them. Like I'm not overly tactile, touchy, huggy. I think I present like I'm just maybe a girl they grew up with in school that was kind of a little bit of the tomboy, right? Like the Winnie in Wonder Years, right? And so, and I also think you have to carry yourself a certain way. Now I understand how frustrating it can be for a woman to have men have a say about how you dress or what you wear. But I always say to girls that I mentor, a judge on a bench is still wearing a robe. You know, the women in the office uh, as lawyers are still wearing suits. And I think you just have to carry yourself a certain way. I remember it was a couple years ago, uh, women started wearing shorts at training camp. And I just still didn't feel like that was comfortable, but it was so hot. Now I'm wearing skirts, like a golf skirt, you know, long, long enough that it covers things. But I do think, you know, you which is an interesting dynamic when you consider we're in locker rooms for an hour interviewing men. You know, it's, it, it is still strange for me after all these years, but I just think it's the way you carry yourself, you present. And I think they know that I authentically want to be, I won't say they're friends because you can't be a friend in journalism, but I think they need to know that I respect them. And if I respect them, they respect me. And so I just think it's all about how you carry yourself. But 100%, I mean, it's, you put men and women in, it's no different in covering football as it would be for my friends that are working in uh, accounting or lawyers or doctors and nurses or, you know, women that are with other doctors. It's just, it's, it's not, I, I get the question a lot. And so it's not your fault, but uh, I always say it's, I mean, that's just men and women, that's you know? Point. That is a good point. That's so. Here's right, my last one. So I know you get a hit a lot, uh, not hit, ask a lot advice, advice to, Maybe could it be male or female, especially I'm sure you really want to help out females. But what advice, what's the best advice you give if they want to get in to this business? Well, I'll give you the best advice. One of my colleagues gave me, Jeff Darlington, once at ESPN. He said, be fearless. And it's so true. Like, I ask coaches for their numbers in a respectful way. Hey, I, I totally respect families and normal business hours, you are not going to get text messages from me at eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night. I, you know, I respect that, but it would really help me if I could reach out to you. If I get a scoop or a story, I don't understand something to just have some context or nuance. It doesn't have to be on the record. It can just be discovery. Um, and so that's part of being fearless. Cause sometimes as a woman, you're asking a guy for his number, you don't want to give the wrong. So how do you do that? Right? So I used to hand out business cards, you know, cause it had, and I said, Hey, my name is Jane Slater. I work for the NFL Network. I don't want to pressure you for your number, but I'd love to have, you know, a professional relationship with you moving forward. If that makes sense to you or that's something you'd be open to, here's my cell phone number. And a lot of them would follow up. Um, so I would just say be fearless and also be prepared for years of rejection and being told no. And just because one person doesn't think you're good enough, 
doesn't mean the next person will have the same opinion. At least that's been my experience in my job. Continued success. Jane, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I really appreciate your interest. Thank you, Jane. Now, I explained to her when we were just, I had to take a picture for social media and my daughter has shown me how to take a selfie. You know, for years I bragged that I never took a selfie. For years. And now it's coming back to bite me in the ass. Because a lot of these interviews, you know, you got to post it on social media. My guys on Radio Influence do the graphic and everything and the promotion. So you got to take a picture if no one's there. And I'm like, finally. So my daughter this weekend said, here's how you do it, Dad. You got the two fingers here. That's on the top. Your thumb is here. You st- There you go. I had to get taught by my daughter. Me again, bragging. I never take a selfie. I don't want to. And it's, uh, I've, I've needed it. But anyway, she was so, so cool. And I told her really what happened. Now, here's the story. You believe that? Didn't, didn't it sound like we, we knew each other? Um, I think you can tell there's a vibe, like just when, when, when it's coming across, you know what I mean? I, I respect her. And here's, the, here's what happened. The Dallas Cowboys opened this past season. It was the Thursday night game, the big game. Dak Prescott was coming off of his surgery and his whole whole deal. And then, of course, it was Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champs. And it was the first game of the season in the NFL. There was a lot of hype. And it was in Tampa. And she was there. And I was all, and I wasn't really sure. It was a thing on the elevator. We were up and down. Sometimes I go downstairs. I got to do this up. And I got on the elevator. And I really... I remember she came on and it was hot. It's, you know, first a couple of days in September and you're in Florida with that heat and humidity and she's got to go down and on the field. She's got to be on camera with the makeup. That's the one thing I don't miss. Oh my God. All those years I to put on the makeup. Oh, oh, I hate it. But, uh, and she was in the elevator and, and talking to somebody there. Da, 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 da. And then there was a, a guy came in like a blue collar guy, like a techie guy and all that she had to do, and she looked over at him and said, how's your day going? She was like, and I'm like, this girl is cool. Like, I could just feel like, wow, what a, what a, what a great personality. Like, sometimes, you know, if you're at a big network, whatever. But I really wasn't sure that that was her. Then later, because um, I'm a fan of NFL Network, and later up in the press box, I just happened to be walking by she was talking to one or two other reporters might've been Sarah Walsh of NFL network and Fox sports who I really like too. And she's done a podcast. She's tremendous. And all I know is I walked by, I didn't have, I didn't try to eavesdrop. And I heard her saying, you know, I really want to be in air conditioned and be able to wear nice clothes. So I'd rather be in the press box. And I thought that that was just like so down to earth. That's great. No, my journalistic integrity of this. No, it's hot and humid as hell. And I like to wear nice clothes and be in an air-conditioned press box. And I just thought there was something about her that I was like, I think that she is really, really cool. And besides great delivery, fantastic reporter, comes across very easy to listen and watch. You know, she just has that down, but also what is she like as a person? And so when I went to the NFL combine and I was with Joe Buck's fan, I did a few things for uh, the Tampa free press. And my other goal, my real goal was to, to lock up, man, a couple of big names for my rock stops here podcast. And I had hit up a couple of people on NFL Network. I Peter Schrager could not have been cooler. Same thing. And he's coming up soon. Um, I had to do him real quick because he had another interview to, to go to. You got to, when you're on the fly, man, when you're doing this on the fly, you can't be like, well, let's, uh, let's take our time, this and that, this and that. So I was there all day for three days at the convention center where they have the NFL Combine in Indy. And I remember NFL Network had the nice big set. They had a nice big set there. And I had seen blah, blah, blah. And, oh, that's Jane Slater. There's Jane. She's up on set right now. I go, oh. I just, just right then, I was like, oh, how did I forget about trying to get her up? 
you know, and they're busy. They're working. They're working a lot of hours doing their thing. And then when they got downtime, they don't want to deal with a schleb like me. So I saw her and I'm like, oh, that I, I, I know she would be great. How did she make it to the top? Oh, this would be great. So my mama, she's on set. I went over. I was going back over to try to get Chris Sims. Um, and boom, then went back to Joe Buck's fan. And I don't know if we did the podcast that day or not. And then I went back over to where the NFL network set was. And I saw that she was done like for that segment may I it looks like, and I saw her put her bag over like her shoulder and she was on her phone and she just headed out. She headed out and she was moving at a fast pace. And I'm like, oh, looks like usually when someone's walking like that fast, she's got somewhere to go. Uh, you know what? If you don't step up to the plate, how are you going to get a hit? Right? So I'm following her. I even got my headphones plugged into my Zoom recorder. I got my microphone. I was stalking all week. I was walking and moving and grooving and trying to keep up with her. And she was moving. We went outside the area where you, the broadcast area is and interviews are. And she's going down the hall. And I just said, Jane. And she turned, she said, hi. And she had a nice big smile. And I said, my name is Rock Riley. I'm in Tampa. I've been in Tampa a long time, sportscaster. But I do this podcast, The Rock Stops Here, How You Made It to the Top. Do you have just five minutes? And she said, sure. And she goes, why don't we sit down over there? And we were in the hallway of the convention center in Indianapolis. There were two, the nice cushiony chairs right there. How nice is that for her to do that? But doesn't know me from Adam. And I just, boom, I gave her the mic, tested out, boom, hit the record. And how about that? How about that? And so then I said, I got to get a picture for social media. She knows how to go. And she stood up and I went to take the picture. And I said, I got to tell you, when you came to Tampa at Raymond James Stadium, when the Cowboys opened up and you said you wanted to be in an air-conditioned press box and wear nice clothes, I just thought you were very, very cool. And you were also nice to somebody else. And just and she's like, oh, no, thank you very much. That was nice of your interest and this and that. And thank you, Jane. And boom, and much success. And away she went. And I am forever, ever grateful because the majority of people that I've been doing uh, on this podcast or the other one for Bucks Kickoff, I've known. Like I've done over 70 and everybody is in my phone that I know. But when I'm at these big events and I'm trying to get some big names, you got to go quick. You got to make it in. You got to make your pitch within five seconds. And they're busy. And for her to sit down and, and, and there was just a couple of things from this that um, I got to tell you. Oh, one other thing before I forget it, because I do have Anheuser's and I will forget. It, I saw a video. I don't know if it was a year ago, this past, this past Christmas or a year and a half ago, uh, around Christmas time. And I saw a video <laughs> of a girl, woman, girl, uh, on roller skates inside her house, inside a house with Christmas lights and a Christmas tree, roller skating in a house. And wouldn't you know it, after I did this interview with Jane Slater, I don't know how this video popped up on my Twitter feed, and it was Jane Slater. <laughs> and I was just like, bam, reason number three that tells me how cool of a person that she is. I laughed hysterically like... I remember seeing that video, whether it was a year ago or two years ago, and I laughed. And the fact that it was her just solidified it more for me. But a couple of things there that stood out to me. Number one, and I'm getting this a lot from a lot of my guests that have made it, rejection. How about her advice there? You're not going to get a yes the first time you apply for a job. You're going to get rejected. You're going to get rejected. All Sarah Walsh the same thing. All it does is take one to say yes. 
And that when she got that call, that she got the gig at NFL Network, it changed her life. How about when she was at a radio station? Boom, they let her go. She didn't know what to do. She was even thinking about getting out of the business like we've all thought about. And uh, she hung in there. And then all the years that she had to do news. But she took what she learned from those experiences and it's made her what she is today as a broadcaster. And that is so true because what I noticed working in local TV, although I was national for the many, many, many years ago, FNN, FNN sports, financial news network during the day, weekdays and weekend. Um, But what I've, what I always learned is it seemed to me like the ones that got out of college, maybe they interned at a station, they got a gig They worked in a small market, maybe there, now they're here, but they've never experienced like a really, really, really shitty job. You know, like I worked as a, I will, I I don't want to say shitty. I just want to say so different than what I'm used to broadcasting, like broadcasting in an air conditioned building and everybody is nice and clean and you can take a break whenever you want and you wear nice clothes. And like I say, you're not getting dirty and you got to, you know, believe me, I've been on the other side. I was a, uh, and happy to have the job, a line painter. Uh, and I got to, uh, train and became the striper driver, the big truck that puts down the double yellow or the white dashes that are called skips or the line and you just, I got trained in that and I was able to do that. But my whole point was I didn't want to do that, but made me tougher. I was the only guy in a newspaper company, the daily advance where I worked the forklift. I worked in the, the factory part where they may make the newspaper and then they it goes out in bundles and you, and and it goes to delivery drivers that would deliver the newspaper. Now I'm showing my age because now newspaper, but I'm just saying. And then after I got my degree, I was on the other side at the same plant, the Daily Advance in, in, in Roxbury, New Jersey, or Mount Olive, New Jersey. I was over on the other side as a reporter covering some high school stuff. And that's when I first started out in this business. But I had worked on the other side, and but I experienced that. I experienced uh, working at Picatinny Arsenal and doing all yacht maintenance. And um, what else have I done? I've done a lot of blue-collar stuff, uniform rental, uh, picking up uniforms in these greasy places where it's so much grease and dirt that you can't even put these... They're, they're, they're working uniforms in regular uh, laundry, you know, washers and dryers you know, and being dirty, waiting for that 10 o'clock break, waiting for that two o'clock break, going to the bar and eating a bar pie after work and then getting beers and then just getting up at the crack of dawn, punching in with a time clock. But you know what, man, I'm glad I experienced that because when I would be at a TV station or radio station and some young person that came out of college, they've interned, they've never done anything other than this are bitching and moaning about everything. I'm like, Oh my God, you're so spoiled. So I thought that that was great. The other thing that I took from what her uh, great interview was about her life was that, And she said, my father hates when I say this, but we really, they didn't watch sports. She did not grow up in a sports family. And so can you imagine that? So she had to learn everything. Football for dummies. She learned, she studied the intricacies of football. So, you know, she worked at it. So she would know what she was talking about. Not just going to get it handed on a silver platter because she's attractive. Like, awesome. And then when we when we were doing this interview and there was things popping up and she talked about Diana Rossini. Now, I have not met her yet, but I can tell she's got a similar personality. I can just tell. I like her personality. And when Jane was saying that Diana met the great this great guy, I know she's had a, I don't know if she had a, 
No, I don't know if she had a baby. I know she got married. I don't want to say anything that uh, I'm not sure. I don't know her that close. But I, I've never met her, but I guarantee you that's on my bucket list. Now, ESPN people are different. They got to ask for permission to go on shows outside of ESPN. Podcasts might be different. She mentioned, but I've always liked Diana Rossini. I know she's from Jersey. I'm Jersey. But I can just tell by her actions, like she's very cool. And Jeff Darlington is one of my favorites. He is an NFL insider, and I have had him on quickly on a couple of my podcasts. Not the Rock Stops here. I'm, that's my goal, to get him done that one. Um, but just on Bucks kickoff or whatever. And he doesn't care. And I'm mean, not he is. He, he's, and when she mentioned, like, Jeff Darlington, Diana Rossini, I'm like, oh, Jeff Darlington, I love, I love that guy. Another one. Like, I can just vibe with her. So anyway, Jane Slater continued success. Thank you so much for doing that on the fly. I know how busy it is when you're on location like that on set and on and all that you got to do and not knowing me from Adam and taking the time to sit down and you were great. And you said a couple of times there about, uh, when you mentor and, and other girls or young students that want to get in this, you must give back. I can tell. So I just really, really, really enjoyed that podcast. And it was all done on the fly. That's the, that's the thing I love. Sometimes I, I, I'm oh, for years. I've been in these stations where we're going to cover opening day, let's say for, and you got so many meetings and all this stuff planned out. I know you got a plan, but sometimes man, just, Going, um, going by the fly, going just, <laughs> I drives, that drives a lot of people nuts, but I'm different. All right. What else is cooking? What else is cooking? I was mentioning the, um, the, the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, everything to these athletes, to these entertainers and good for them. If they're, if they're going to get paid that amount, good for them. But, Everything is brought back on the fan and everything is just so expensive. And the one, another thing that I got to admit here, here's what I really like. Now, I don't know. I'm broadcasting from Florida, the Clearwater, uh, area, uh, in Pinellas County. It's the Tampa Bay area in Florida. And what's very popular around here. And I love it are these Fridays, where they have local street vendors, local bands, local musicians, acts, drink, food. They close down the streets in these downtowns, and it's just Friday. It's very popular. Like there's a first Friday. There is the third Friday. They have one in Safety Harbor. There's another, there's a festival tonight in uh, Tarpon Springs, uh, a town not too far from me. They just closed down Main Street, local bands. And what, because I just love it. You're outside, you're partying. Some of these acts are really, really good. Not everybody is going to make it to the top in their profession. I had a buddy in New Jersey, Dave Monarch. He was so talented, man. He ended up passing away. He got a brain aneurysm. And uh, he came back a little bit after that. He was a construction worker, big, strong, handsome, great voice, great lead singer, went to a lot of his gigs, carried in the equipment so I didn't have to pay the cover. I'm here with the band. And it was a big supporter. And he never made it. You know, uh, just there, there's tons, there, there, there's tons, but my point is I love these street festivals. Do they have them in your town? Is it only here in, in Florida? See that? I don't know. Um, and they're great because usually they're free or maybe five bucks and you get yourself a beer and you're, 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 you know, you're supporting local vendors with food and, and drink and the acts are great. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because concerts are so expensive. Oh my God. And when you factor in the parking and if you're not going to go by yourself and you're going to go with somebody, you try to bring your girl, you try to bring your, if you bring in a family member or two, you it's, it's unbelievable. And that, that's another thing that I miss not working at a station where the, 
marketing guy, the prize guy, has a hookup for you for tickets to concerts. <laughs> God, there were some good ones. When I worked in radio, it was great. And I ran into, I was at spring training. I know I'm all over the place, but I'm out and about. I'm doing it. I'm grinding. I'm out and about. So I was at spring training and I saw lovely, lovely young lady. She uh, was engaged to a gentleman that passed away this past year at a very young age. I don't even know if he was 50. And she's still down and out about it, of course. And she works as a videographer for one of the local stations. And I saw her for the first time since I saw her at the the wake. I went to it because this guy, guy was a good dude. He used to drive me crazy a little bit, but he was a good dude. And her name is Daisy. She's very nice. And we were talking and da, da, da. I gave her a big hug. And she's like, oh, she's not, she's not, not doing that good, man. It's tough. So anyway, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then it was time to eat and they had a nice little spread and we were sitting down and I said, Hey man, I saw your video where you were at. It was a country act. Uh, I forget his name. I, th- I knew it now uh, when I saw it a couple days ago, but anyway, I said Gronk, they brought Gronk on stage and Gronk was like, and everybody was yelling, you got to come back. You got to come back. And I said, that was a great video. I said, man, you had good seats. Did you, did you have your hook? I have a hookup for that. Cause I just know being in the media, we know how it goes. She was like really close from her video, from her phone. And she's like, no, I actually bought my tickets, but I used this. And she showed me a pa- uh, press pass. I used that to kind of like inch my way up to get closer. I'm like, good job. Way to go. High fived her. way to go. And then we were talking something else. She goes, Oh, you're going to the innings festival. That's another one they have down here where it's at a ballpark and there's some great bands, but you know, tickets are not cheap. And she goes, Oh yeah, I got a hookup for my friend, Monica. Oh, Monica works at that station. That's guy. Oh, Mike Oliveira. He's the guy. Oh, I said, isn't it great, man, to get a hookup? And I was like, see, that is what I am missing. Because when you get spoiled, and we've been spoiled, I've been spoiled being in the media. I tell my wife all the time, I know I have been spoiled. When you get the hookup for concert tickets free, you're spoiled all those years. Now, it's funny, when I went from radio, from this building on Gandy Boulevard in Tampa, I was always getting the hookup. Or my friend, Whitney, worked at a different station. And he knew people in that building and he might have the hookup. It all depends on what act when they come to town, say it's Motley Crue, say it's Aerosmith, say it's whoever. It depends on which station they might go to the rock or they might go to the classic rock. They might go to the alternative rock station. And then they, that station gets the most amount of tickets and the tickets are supposed to be for, Whoever, they could be for sponsors. They could be for mostly listeners. You know how you have contests, be the third caller, get this trivia, come into the station and do something crazy. We'll give you tickets to this act. And then there's some set aside just for the station. And then you go and you ask the person, you better you better take care. You better be nice, man, to the, the one that's in the prize closet that's got the access to the tickets. And then sometimes it's like, you got to wait till the end of the day, man. And if, uh, so if like these two listeners don't claim your prize, uh, they're comprised then you got it. And I'm like, that's happened to me. And you're waiting and you're waiting, you're waiting till the end of the day. And then boom, you go down there. Here you go, man. I'm like, yes, I'm going to concert tonight. (laughs) But it's just that I'm seeing these prices. So maybe that's why I like these First Friday, Third Friday, Second Fridays, these street festivals, because it doesn't cost anything and it doesn't cost anything to park. And you can see, so what? I'm seeing it would be like seeing uh, A ball, Florida State League baseball compared to Major League, and I'm not paying anything and I am having a damn good time. So, anyway, I don't know. I just, I was just curious if this is this a thing in the United States now or is it more of a Florida thing? Um, what else did I want to hit on? There was a couple of other things 
that uh no my street festivals my local bands baseball oh yes 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 okay so since i talked to you last i went to spring training the beginning of spring training when it's pitchers and catchers but what happens is you know how you, and it's all different this year because they had the lockout now everything is sped up but I'm sure you've heard, if you've been a baseball fan, you've heard of spring training. Ah, it's pitchers and catchers, especially if you're in a northern town where you can't wait to see the green grass and the palm trees and hearing the sound of the baseball hitting the mitt or the bat. Not the ping, not the ping, but the wood bat and ball. And it's just, it's, it's so great. You know, we get spoiled with the beautiful weather down here. In, in, but it's still great. So I drove down to Port Charlotte and I was there. And what happens is even though it's pitchers and catchers and the position players don't have to report yet, they're all there. They're all there. It's not like 20, 30 years ago where guys go to spring training to get in shape. There's too much money at stake. Now you want to, ha- you know, your career, you got these studs that are coming up and always trying to take your gig. And so you got to stay in shape. And some of these pitchers, I, it's just so funny to me on how far ahead pitchers are to hitters because hitters over the winter are not facing and taking batting practice from major league pitching. The last time they've seen major league pitching is the last game of the season. You need to get away. Kevin Cash, the manager of the Rays, has said that. He goes, you got to let them decompress. It's a long season. And it's a long grind. You let them get away. Then you let them have the holidays. Right before the holidays, you, you check in with them. How you doing? Hope your family have a good holiday. And then once after Christmas, New Year's is done, then you start seeing them getting ready. And it was really amazing to me. The day that I went was really the first day of pitchers and catchers, but they had lot. I was surprised they had live pitching and hitting like the hitters were hitting live. And it's the first time that they've seen these major league pitchers. You know, they're back in their hometowns. They're in a batting cage. They're having a guy that's throwing to them with a net in front of them, like 45 feet instead of 60 feet, six inches on a mound. And there's something about being outside and a major league pitcher. And they were missing by so much. Their swings looked so bad. It was funny to see. It was funny to see. And I also was noticing some of these pitchers, and this is on day one, they were, they were throwing some sliders, some breaking balls. Like when I remember when I first started covering spring training, Pitchers would only build up their arm strength throwing fastballs for a while. There were guys that would get into spring training games in the Grapefruit League, and they would go two innings without even throwing a breaker or a cutter or a, or I'm not kidding you. And to see some of these pitchers and Cash said the same thing, like you don't just come out there and throw like that without having been doing this for weeks, months. And so a lot of these pitchers stayed pretty sharp in their hometowns. They must've got themselves a catcher and they were doing it because, and Corey Kluber is a veteran. The guy's a three-time all-star Cy Young, right? Cy Young. I think he had a no hitter last year. Uh, He's up there a little bit, but, and he's all business, but boy, he looks so good. And like when they take that mound, even though it's just, you know, pitchers trying to, there was a hitter years ago named Greg Vaughn. It was part of this thing they called the hit show. And I remember in the beginning of spring training, when he would go up to bat, he never, he didn't swing. He didn't swing for like an entire week. And I'm like, what, what's that? And he's just tracking it just track, just getting his eye on the pitch again to get used to that. You got to build up to that, man, even though you're a, you're a, you're a major league baseball player, but it was just so good to see. It kind of renewed my interest in baseball. Oh, and that's the other thing that I wanted to bring up like variety. 
variety really is the spice of life. Like football was tremendous. I'm still on the football beat, the NFL beat, and especially being here in Tampa Bay with Brady coming back and another chance. You know they're going to be in the running. So I'm all over it. But it it is nice to to see other sports and to get to cover other sports. I'm going to go to the Lightning game tomorrow night, the NHL. That's always great in person. And uh, and I'm telling you, it was just enjoyable. Like baseball is just a different, a different pace. You know, the you're you're there watching a pitcher throwing live BP. You might be seeing a position coach and he's hitting grounders to the second baseman with a fungal bat. You, you know, you just see, and it's just like, there's no clock involved. And I don't know, a couple of years, like I've come to, I, I drove home, like really coming to appreciate baseball a little bit more. Maybe it was because of the pandemic, maybe because I was away from it for a little bit there. But it was just so nice, and there really is nothing like being outside at a ballpark on a beautiful day, hearing the sounds of baseball, and just relaxing. You walk in that little stadium, and they actually had the BP, batting practice, in the main stadium. I was surprised, because all the other years that I was there, it's always on the backfields, but Oh, and they had the music on with the big amplifier. Like, oh, here we are, 2022. You got to, what, you have to have music the whole time that you're playing? I'm telling you, I, I welcomed no music at Bucks practices since Bruce Arians has come about. Because, but, 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 but still, and then there was a time when the music was off. But it's just relaxing. You know, we're all, we are so, our attention spans anymore. I'm the I'm, I'm guilty of it, man. I'm constantly looking down on my phone, checking my Twitter, checking my Instagram, checking Facebook all the time. Why am I doing it this much? And it's great to just sit down at a ballpark, put your phone away, and just take in the air, the sunshine, the birds, the the bat and the ball sound, the mitt, and just chill out. You know. There you go. My wife and daughter did a a little yoga class uh, the other day. Whatever it is, you need to take some time for yourself and just put the phone down. And as I say that, as I end this episode, I will probably check my phone. What a hypocrite I am, huh? God, I hate hypocrites. Jane Slater, thank you so, so much. Stick around every week, every Tuesday morning, another edition of The Rock Stops here. If you've been with me, you've subscribed. Thank you, man. I'm not here to push and tell your people about this. You know what? You're here, and I appreciate you. Until next Tuesday. Thanks. Thanks. Looking for studios in the Tampa Bay area to record your podcast? Radio Influence can help. With two studios on either side of the bay, Radio Influence has you covered. Engineered and produced by longtime radio professionals, achieve the excellence in podcasting that you and your listeners deserve. For more information or to schedule studio time, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence, the future is now.